if I were to, to give advice to my younger self, actually, I would say, just don't rush things. Do things in the right way. Take your time. Things will come. You know, recently we have had a lot of debate about can women have it all? Mm. I absolutely think we can have it all, but there is a matter of timing in there. Hello, everyone. It's a pleasure to be back here rounding out our trio of profiling influential female leaders across our capital markets. And I'm very pleased to be here today with Silvana Scanone from Jardin. Welcome, Silvana. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, You've had a very varied and interesting career and it's going to be fascinating to talk to you. Currently, you are the Managing Director, Co-Head of Investment Banking at Jardin. Big job, very interesting job. And, you know, we're talking about leadership on this podcast series and one of the things that we like to do is take it way back. So what did you want to be as a kid when you were growing up? I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. I actually, and this is a common problem, I think, for, for high achievers, that you have so many opportunities and it's hard to decide which one is the one that is going to work for you. I actually thought I wanted to be a doctor because I like the work that doctors do, but not necessarily because I understood actually what it meant. I wanted to be an air hostess because I love the way they dress. I wanted to be a lawyer because I like people. I'm very social. So at the end, I decided actually to go for law because it gave me that feeling that I would have enough flexibility in my career, which which I have had. So the, the, the recent change and the recent move to Jardin shows that you don't need to know when you are 15 years old, 18 years old, or even 45 years old, what, you, what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Absolutely. And I, I think we're seeing that a lot more than, say, our parents' generation, where people sort of started maybe even one company and they stayed there their whole life and kind of rose to the top. But we're seeing people pivot and you know, take different directions as they go along, which is fantastic. And, you know, using those skills that they acquired along the way. Across the the legal spectrum, obviously, there's quite a number of ways you can take it. You can go into criminal law, you can get into litigation. What inspired you specifically to get into the more sort of corporate and finance areas? I decided to go for law because I thought it would give me a lot of options. Mm. I enjoyed working with business people. So Mm. I like the law. I didn't like to be in that confrontational part of the law all the time, Mm. which is litigation. It may sound very simplistic, but in my mind, I wanted to help people grow. I wanted to help businesses achieve what they wanted, not just solve problems. And and that's just a mindset. Uh, The other thing that I loved about the law was the ability to actually learn a lot about businesses. But Still, I don't have the longest attention spam in the world. So I would learn about a business, work really hard with a business for, say, six months. And then I can go into something totally different, learn something new. And, and that challenge, that constant sort of curiosity was a big part of why I chose corporate law. Mm, it's definitely a benefit, I think, of being in a transactional role that you do get to sort of dip in into lots of different areas and industries and sectors. And now, you know, you are in this great role of managing director at Jardin. So tell us a little bit about what your role at Jardin entails. Yeah, so I am um, part of the leadership team in New Zealand, which is a great honour. It's also a great responsibility, Sarah, because as I always say, when you have a great opportunity, you take it for the good, the bad, the not so good, the challenges, the opportunities are all um, part of the, the ecosystem. So I do run a team that has a lot of very talented people. I do run relationships with clients. We do execution of transactions, which is not too different to the role I used to do at Mintis when I was a corporate partner there. But I also need to work a lot on the origination of transactions. We have a very talented group of researchers, of traders, of investment bankers. We sit together every day, we share thoughts and ideas, and then we actually can present opportunities to our clients. 
Some of them fly, some of them don't, but at least we are constantly thinking about how can people maximize their opportunities? How can businesses do better? So it's a really, it's a really fun job. Oh, fantastic. And I mean, along the way, you've had the opportunity to work with a lot of different people, a lot of very influential people, CEOs, other legal partners, other investment bankers. What are some moments of inspiration and learnings along that journey that have influenced your career? Oh, a critical thing that I have learned in my career is you need to be constantly excited about what you're doing. And and that excitement is sort of daily, but it's also about a journey. So we are here for the long term. When I talk to, to younger people that are asking me sort of what to do with their careers, I say to them, just make sure that you think about success not in a linear way. Success is not like that. Success has a little bit of learning and then there's a direction that that you can follow. So to me, resilience is really important. We are going into an economic downturn. There's no, no denial. And that means there are opportunities, there are challenges, there are lots of things to deal with. So resilience and long-term thinking is always going to be critical. I have learned that we shouldn't be so terrified or horrified of mistakes. They're actually experiences. You learn from them. There's a positive mindset that you can take around mistakes and you can actually learn, move on. And it's very hard to move on, but you can just be stuck in the past and then use those experiences to be better and to keep progressing. Mm. So you win or you learn is what yeah, you're saying. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. You've also had some experience working overseas and actually, you know, in, in it's interesting because I think we were in New York at the same time, yes. although we didn't know each other then. <laughs> we were and working that, too hard, probably. <laughs> I know, till two in the morning, three yeah. in the morning. And and again, that was another period where, I mean, we didn't maybe know it at the moment, but we were heading into a big economic downturn back then as well. I mean, thinking back to, to that time in the US and, and overseas, how do you feel that this has benefited and influenced your career? I probably learned a few things about leadership. I, I, I saw how can you amplify your impact as a leader. I also saw that there's no actually substitute for working hard to build your skills base. There's actually no shortcut. But once you have built that skill base, you actually can utilize it in different ways. For me, it was very important to, to almost like put three different blocks into my career planning, which I see now I'm getting into the, the second half of it, but you build your, your skills and that includes working super hard. That includes um, making a few sacrifices, actually family or personally. But as I said, no substitute for that. You then go into relationships in actually building reputation. Mm-hmm. And that's really important too. So when I think about maybe the, the analogy that I could use is you learn to dance you then want to be invited to the dance, right? So that reputation in that relationship part of your career path is really important. But then you get to a point in which actually you have to build trust. Mm. People need to know that they they know what you're there for to do. They know they can trust you. And authenticity becomes critical too, because you can only be your best self. I'm never going to be the best Sarah. Mm. You're never going to be the best Silvana. Mm. We are both different individuals and we can be the best selves. That's actually what people need to um, value. So that that path and that progression for me was quite clear in my time in New York. You build skills, but that's not enough. You need to get to the next level. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I always say to people that are thinking about going overseas, you know, if you have the opportunity to work in the US, 
grab it with both hands because one year working there is maybe like three or four years of working anywhere yeah. else. It's it's so intense, but you know if you if you do the work, you own the skills, and and that does really help you progress as you as you move along. That's right. Talking more specifically about leadership characteristics, what leadership styles have stuck out to you as you've moved? through your career and, um, you know, what are things that have worked well for you or, or haven't resonated with you so much? Yeah, again, authenticity, I think, is quite critical. So uh, an authentic leader that actually shows vulnerability. There are certain things that I'm not good at. And I think if my team, for example, knows that they're more forgiving about certain things, they're complimentary about certain things. So authenticity is key in a leader. Courage, Actually, you, you do need to push for certain outcomes and, 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 and not accept that things are too hard. There's nothing too hard. I think leaders that are supportive of their teams, that empower others, that's just a basic, but actually many times take it for granted. I believe that if people trust you and give you the opportunity, most of the time you're going to live to the expectations because you feel empowered. So you're going to to try your best. Mm. Um the other thing is actually to me really relevant in, in leadership is um, respect. I think you can be a good leader even if your style is not necessarily a soft style. You actually can get your team respect and support and trust by being very clear about where the boundaries are, being very clear about expectations. Some people may say, oh, she's tough, but at least they would say she's fair at the same time. So to me, that's a compliment. The fact that you're clear and you're very structured around what you need from different people so that there's no room for misunderstanding. There's no room for underwhelming feedback. It's more about telling people very clearly what you expect, what are the outputs of different tasks or roles, and then allowing people to find a way to deliver that in the best possible way. Being tough doesn't mean you're mean, doesn't mean you're rude, and doesn't mean that you're disrespectful. I think we, we need to clarify those concepts in the workplace. Mm, absolutely. And you know what you're aiming towards. Yes. Yeah. yeah. How do you think that leadership skills have evolved over the years when you think about kind of back to the start of your career and where we are now in 2023? Mm. I think, um, I mean, you can, you can answer that question in, in many ways, but leadership styles have evolved in the same way that society has evolved. So you don't need to be masculine to be successful or you don't need to be masculine to be in a position of influence or power. So that's one very big thing. I think also the fact that people learn that you can be disciplined and clear without being rude. A lot of those characteristics that we used to sort of associate with the very successful people, even sleeping, you know, I, I was talking to someone the other day about this. I am not, not apologetic that I need sufficient sleep. But when I was growing up and when I was working in New York, mm. it used to be almost shameful to say that you needed seven and eight hours sleep a night because the cool people and the successful people only sleep four or five hours. Mm. I think now we're just coming to terms with reality, which is that we're all different and people contribute in different ways. And I think that's really powerful. A great time for women, I mm. think. We are actually, COVID probably helped us offering flexibility in how we work. We can lose that. I think we're at a, at a bit of a crucial point in which we may be struggling to maintain the, the value of flexibility in the workplace. But I think it's actually a great opportunity to show that people contribute in different ways. Mm, mm. Yes, your point on sleep is a, is a really interesting one because I agree with you. I think there was sort of this 
warrior mindset for a while there or, or pretty much up until recently you know when there's been more widespread knowledge of of the science around sleep and how important that is so I so I agree and I think that it's good that people are focusing more on on holistic wellness and I I also agree with you on the point around flexibility it does seem like we're at a bit of an inflection point with people figuring out how Offices are going to work going forward, and and that seems to be different in different markets too. You know, depending on what commuting times are like and mm-hmm. physical geography and things. And and on a very similar note, people used to believe only extroverted could mm. be leaders mm. because, and I am probably on the on the very extreme side of extroverted personalities. But the fact that we're more vocal and the fact that we're more outgoing doesn't mean that we're better leaders. And I think, again, we have come to terms with that. We have seen a lot of introverted leadership working really well, mm. um, not because, I mean, because we have realized that it doesn't have anything to do with your values, with your intellectual capacity, mm. with your team building capacity. And suddenly people are more tolerant of differences in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. You can be a quiet leader as well as being mm. like a very forceful one. Mm. Yeah. Sort of sticking with that topic, what advice would you give to someone joining the workforce or looking to progress their career and you know also with a lens of working in finance or markets which is still to this day a very male dominated industry what would you say I would say you have control over your destiny so you have control over your life your career you can decide what you want to do where are your boundaries Mm. there's nothing wrong if you want to work part-time there's nothing wrong if you want to take time to achieve certain things and and at a personal level probably wrongly so I was very obsessed when I was a lawyer and when I was a young lawyer that I wanted to progress to partnership very quickly Mm -hmm. that was in 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 those days my idea of success I wanted to be a partner in a law firm Mm. and I worked so hard to achieve that um, before I was 30 years old that was my goal now did it mean anything I mean, it was great, but mm. I, it wouldn't have made any difference if I would have been made a partner at age 32, 33 or 35. Mm. I think if, if I were to, to give advice to my younger self, actually, I would say just don't rush things. Mm. Do things in the right way. Take your time. Things will come. You know, recently we have had a lot of debate about can women have it all? Mm. I absolutely think we can have it all, but there is a matter of timing in there. Mm. So I would say take control of your career. Don't panic. This is a long-term um, process. It's, life is a long-term journey. Um, and also don't lose perspective. Work is only a small part of our lives. Health is first. Family is first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, work is a really, for me, has been a fantastically fulfilling experience and part of my life, but it doesn't mean that you don't need grounding and supporting activities, people, mm-hmm. and, and, and things around you. Mm. Very good advice. As as we were talking about, we were thinking, you know, this is probably kind of an inflection point in the corporate world. You know, we're sort of coming out of COVID pandemic times. COVID's obviously still part of our lives, but we're sort of assessing what the future of work looks like into the future. What what do you think that that's going to look like and what skills do you think are necessary um, to cater for that? Um, okay, so I have talked in the past about some characteristics that have helped me in, in my career. And I talk about my own DNA. Now that stands for my drive, my energy and ambition. And I think those things don't go out of fashion. So drive is about knowing what you do, knowing what you're good at, 
knowing about yourself. So your drive will be to maximize those things that make you happy and make you excited and the things you're good at. Your energy is part of that same lot of trying to achieve the things that make you happy. And it's not just about work. It's reaching the fine balance between personal life, um, work life, etc. And then your ambition is not in a negative way. I think sometimes in New Zealand, we, we equate ambition with a negative concept. Mm. Ambition can be a very good trait, especially when you're ambitious as a leader mm. and what you want is the best for your organization and for your team. And again, that concept of empowering your team is part of your ambition. I actually want to have a star team. I know I have a lot of stars in my team, but I want us to be one fantastic team. So I would encourage people to think about what drives them, mm. uh, what energizes them, and what's their ambition. And when you put all of that together, it sort of feels a really exciting journey ahead. So you can do it with a positive mindset. Mm, absolutely. And, and sort of creating that future that you want for yourself, but in a very balanced way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, talking about Jardin specifically, you've been there for a little while now. What are some exciting things that are coming up at Jardin? So we are going through a bit of thinking of how do we maximize the opportunity of a downturn? How do we help our clients? Mm. Um, and this is the time when we want to show our clients that we are their trusted advisors. So we are talking to them about helping their businesses Again, in the long term, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to buy or sell something immediately, but it means looking holistically at your organization. We have actually separated operationally our investment banking group from our wealth division, but we are still all part of a group. So mm. it's a lot of opportunities for us to work together. There's a lot of cooperation in, in the group. There's also a big change in the last two years, which is our Australasian presence. Mm. So we work really closely with our Australian team. To me, that's a, that's a fantastic opportunity that reflects the, the reality of our market in which a lot of our clients are actually trans-Tasman. So we are reflecting what we see in our client base. Mm. Yeah, and having had the opportunity to work with your team across New Zealand and Australia, we can definitely attest to the value of that. <laughs> and, and that's a, a very positive development in our eyes yeah. as well. Yeah. Thank you, Silvana. It's been great to talk to you about leadership more generally. Just to finish off, we're going to move to a quick fire round just to give people a little sense of you as a person. <laughs> so what, what are your favourite hobbies outside of work? This is going to surprise you. I love fishing. Fishing. <laughs> fishing is one of my favorite activities. We were fishing on the weekend. I love it. I love cooking too. So mm -hmm. I do the full nose fishing. to tail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I like going for walks. Exercise is good for physical and mental health. So I'm a big believer in, in exercise. Mm -hmm. And especially if you can team it up with, with family time. So my husband Lloyd and I love to go for long walks together. Oh, very nice. And what about favorite books and podcasts? There's one book that I, I, I would mention, and I have mentioned to a lot of people, it's called Why We Sleep. Oh, yes. um, and and it's, it's Matthew Walker. And it's exactly mm. what we were talking about before. Mm. It's about really understanding how can you be a healthy human being to be the best at the different aspects of your life. So mm. um, definitely recommend it. I wholeheartedly agree. We um, A lot of the senior leadership here at The Exchange has read that book and it, it is a life-changing read. Yeah. And you don't say that about too many books. So if you haven't read it, read that book. Absolutely. Favourite quote? Okay, this is a hard one. Probably mine is that opportunities don't just happen. You have to create them. Mm. Because I think a lot of people say to me sometimes, you have been very lucky in life. And I don't deny that I have been very privileged in life. But I have taken every opportunity I have been given. I have considered them. Some of them have worked 100%. Some of them have worked 75%. Mm -hmm. But luck comes 
to those that actually look for it and grab opportunities and work hard for it. So I think that's that's a good quote for me to reflect on. Absolutely. And last but not least, what is your definition of success? We are wholesome human beings. So for me, it's happiness. It's the fact that you wake up in the morning and it doesn't matter what the day brings, but you feel excited about it. Mm. My, my changing careers came with another quote uh, I use when I retire from the partnership and when I joined Jad and I said, I want to die exhausted, not bored. <laughs> and that's a big part of me. I, I think actually um, happiness and success are whatever excites you, whatever makes you feel that that big effort that you need to put into life, because we all need to put a big effort into life, makes you feel happy and positive. Mm. Oh, thank you, Silvana. That's a very uplifting <laughs> note to end on. It's been great having the opportunity to speak to you today and, and to round out that trio with Dame Therese Walsh and Victoria Short. So if you haven't listened to those podcasts, I recommend that you listen to those as well. Thank you, everyone. The information provided in this podcast is a guide and is intended for general information purposes only. The information is not investment advice. The information should not be relied upon as a substitute for detailed advice from a professional advisor. The podcast may contain opinions or forward-looking statements and actual results may vary from what is expressed in this podcast. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the presenter or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of NZX. NZX Limited is not liable for any loss suffered through relying on the information in this podcast. NZX makes no warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the information in this podcast. All intellectual property rights in the content of this podcast are owned or used under license by NZX and NZX's written consent is required to use, redistribute or reproduce the content or use it to create other works.